I seriously couldn't think of a better analogy for life when you're playing big and you've decided to go to a, to a new level to set your speed for your next hill climb. Because what's actually dangerous and puts the whole damn thing at risk is halfway up the climb, whatever your next part of the mountain is, if you freak out and let go of the speed, that's when that dream, it's over Red Rover. Welcome to the She Leads a New Future podcast. I'm Kate Ruby Aroha, the founder of She Leads Live, Australasia's largest women's leadership empowerment event. As a senior trainer with 17 years experience, I've led government contracts creating national change and spent a decade leading advanced leadership experiences throughout New Zealand, Australia, and Southeast Asia. I'm passionate about seeing women raise a bar and step into their potential because Regardless of who you are and where your life is currently at, we're each capable of so much. I believe that we each have leadership within us. And when we step into that and towards our dreams, the lid comes off what's possible. This podcast is dedicated to bringing you conversations to inspire you to step into your next level while reminding you that you're not alone in what you're currently going through. That voice of doubt in your head, we all have it. The only difference between holding yourself back or moving yourself forward is what you give your power to. With multiple episodes every week, not only will you get the tools and strategies to grow yourself and scale your big ideas, you'll be constantly reminded of your immense power to cause change. If you haven't already connected with me on Instagram, come on over and say hi at Kate Ruby Aroha. Okay, are you ready? Let's get into this conversation. So if you've seen any of my stories on Instagram, you may know that I've been playing with motocross riding recently. And I had a I had my very first motocross coaching session with this incredible motocross guy. And there were two things that massively stood out to me during that lesson. And I was like, holy crap, like this is directly translatable to real life and playing big. So this conversation, I actually want to share with you what those two things were and how they translate into life, leadership and playing big. Now, a little bit of context. Just recently, as in like about three or four months ago, uh, I decided that I was going to learn how to ride motorbikes. So this all happened when I turned 40, because when I turned 40, I decided how I was going to live the second half of my life. And one of the things that I looked at was what are some of the things that I've kind of had on the back of my mind, like, oh, that would be cool and just decided to go and do them. So I've gotten into dancing, I ride motorbikes, I own the most kick-ass motorbike, oh my goodness, (laughs) she's so beautiful. Um, But actually when I decided to do this, I actually bought my motorbike, this is my first road bike, notice the emphasis on the word first, aka there will be more. (laughs) I actually ended up buying a beautiful, sexy, kind of really modern sleek black road bike and I also really want to ride 
uh, and own a more like a chopper, old school kind of a bike, but um, not the mo- not the best choice for someone who's never ridden before. So when I bought my bike for my birthday, I decided to go for the modern bike. Super easy to, to shift gears, super easy for me to learn on as my first bike. And then in the future, I'll also be adding to my my growing motorbike collection over the years, like an old school cruiser kind of a thing. So anyway, that was a little side note. But so I bought that for my birthday and then I practice, 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 practice in a car park, literally learning neutral to first for so long. <laughs> that part I found really challenging. And then just over time, I got better and then I felt confident to take myself on the road and then you know, the rest is history. I can ride. And now every, everywhere I go, I'm riding my motorbike. Ah, oh, so good. Anyway, then I thought I want to take this to a new level. Let's look at motocross. And it actually just worked out really great because our son is 14. If you've ever had teenagers, you know that you've got to create opportunities where they actually want to hang out, hang out with you, you know? So it, was actually just perfect timing getting this motorbike all of a sudden my son's ears pricked up and all of a sudden hey mom can you show me how to ride your bike oh yes I can like yes he's actually asked to spend time with me hell yeah we're gonna go down this track so we ended up you know I would take him to the car park with me when I was learning and Henari would teach him and me and it was really cool it was a like, neat family bonding thing and then so kind of taking that to, to a new level, once I started to get quite good and he was starting to get better as well, um, then we actually looked at sort of like the next step is maybe we could do motocross together as a family, you know, just bit paying attention to what his needs were and what he's actually interested in. Then if we create moments like that, then we can hang out together. So anyway, that's kind of where the motocross came from. So we started doing motocross together as a family and here's my experience. And this is kind of where this whole conversation is going to pick up. So my first motocross lesson, I had this motocross coach. He spent, I'd say about three quarters of an hour with me in the section, teaching me certain key things and getting me to practice them before he sort of signed me off and approved for me to actually move on to the big track. Because if you've got a whole lot of people going around this big track and you've got some Muppet, aka me, (laughs) going onto the track and fucking around and not knowing what she's doing, like it could actually create some danger. So I just love how safety minded they were. So um, practice, practice, practice. Now, there were two things that stood out to me. The first thing was as I was doing these loops around and he was getting me to like really corner and stuff. He said, look where you want to go. And he said that because he said that when I'm cornering, I wasn't turning my head to look where I wanted to go. And that's why I was struggling with cornering. So instead of doing this really nice tight corner, I was doing these kind of big looping corners. And so look where you want to go. I went and tried it again. And the one thing I changed was I turned my head and really looked exactly where I wanted to go while I was turning. And with that one shift, my bike turned in a completely different way. Uh, Instead of making these big kind of clonky looping shifts, I was able to do a really nice tight turn. I was like, 
Holy crap. That's exactly like life and leadership. You know, we, how often are we looking at, in our mind, the things that perhaps we don't want? And then wherever we're looking is where we're going to be going. But instead, if we turn our head and we actually allow ourselves to look in life where we want to go and to feed more of that into our system, then we're going to be starting to move there. And if, you know, I bring in my NLP background, that happens on a neurological level. There is, if we really like broke that down, we could look at how neurologically we're actually wired to be moving in the direction of what we're feeding ourselves mentally, visually with. So um, look where you want to go. So how does that maybe relate to you now? What is it that you're really wanting? And fill your mind and your space and your thoughts with that. Before I take you back to the episode, I want to remind you to come on over and connect with me on my new Instagram, at Kate Ruby Aroha. While you're there, feel free to flick me a DM, say hi, and let me know what you're getting out of these episodes. I'll chat with you over there. If you haven't already heard the conversation with nine times world champ Tiffany Timebomb, then absolutely go and listen to it. I can't remember what episode number it was, but it was very recent. Go and listen to it. So Tiffany Timebomb, she's a nine times world champion in Muay Thai and kickboxing. And when I was talking with her on the conversation, she talked about the exact strategies that she uses to give herself a mental physical edge. Because she said, when people get to the top of a sport and they're at the top, she said, everyone is good. Everyone is so good that you have to find the, 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 the tweaks and the pieces that give you an edge. And she was saying how visualization is one of the biggest tools that she uses to give herself that mental edge. And when she described it, she talked about, and by the way, she said so much, so go listen to the episode. But when she described it, she talked about how she feeds her mind with pre-seeing the end result. And she does this every day in depth. For example, she sees herself in the ring fighting in exactly the way she wants to fight. She sees her hand being raised at the end. So she is looking where she wants to go. And then she kind of made a little laugh and she said, it would just be ridiculous to be thinking of herself losing. Like it would be ridiculous to be filling her mind with that. But seriously, how often is that the default thinking in our lives? Where we are thinking in our head the worst case scenario, where we're running little movies of the shit we don't want to have happen, and we're looking at that stuff in our own minds, and we're kind of heading there. So look where you want to go. Fill your mind and your internal world with the things that you are wanting to move towards and you can't not but move towards them. So that was the first little thing that stood out. And then the second one. Oh my goodness. Okay, so here I am. I got approved to head onto the racetrack. Holy crap, 
I'm excited and I'm also pretty damn nervous. Now, I've been nervous a lot and doing all sorts of things, but this was like a really different kind of a nerves. Like, I haven't actually been riding a motorbike for too long at this point, and I'm moving on to this big track, and there were some guys on the motorbike track that particular day who, holy crap, what they were doing was really inspiring, but there was, you know, there was quite a few people on the track, and I was pretty nervous, I didn't want to kind of screw things up myself, but I also didn't want to get in people's way, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, here's the thing. The biggest thing for me in my head was going up to the hills and going over the hills and then down the other side. So that felt actually quite scary for me. And there was one little tip that he said that really stood out to me. And he said this, he said, Kate, as you approach the hill, one, you want to stand up, but two, He said, I want you to set your speed as you're approaching the hill, and then that speed you set is the speed you stay at for the entire hill up and over. And I said, what do you mean by that? Because I was a little bit, you know, I thought I knew what he meant, but I wanted to clarify, so I was very clear. And he said, okay, so if you're approaching a hill and you go at a certain speed, And then halfway up that hill, you get scared and you back off your speed. That's dangerous. (laughs) Because just think about it, what's going to actually happen? I'm halfway up a hill. I freak myself out. And then all of a sudden I take my my, um, pressure off the throttle. And then, yeah, I'm going to roll backwards. So we said that's actually a really dangerous thing that when you're going up a hill to start backing off the pressure on your speed when you're on that climb. I seriously couldn't think of a better analogy for life when you're playing big and you've decided to go to a a new level to set your speed for your next hill climb. Because what's actually dangerous and puts the whole damn thing at risk is halfway up the climb, whatever your next part of the mountain is, if you freak out and let go of the speed, that's when that dream It's over, Red Rover. So here I was on the track for the first time. And I am looking, and I think it was about like 30 or 40 meters in front of me was the first hill, and it was a bloody huge one. And I started approaching the hill. And at the point that he said, because he marked out for me exactly where to stand up, I stood up on the bike. And I tell you what, every part of my body just before the hill, wanted to turn the handlebars and avoid the hill. It was like a compulsion move through my body to actually turn the handlebars. It was almost like a physical safety mechanism that my body went to take this action, even though my my mind was saying, don't do it, like, let's go, let's go. And I had to kind of get a hold of myself to actually keep going over the hill because it was actually quite scary. And even that with, you know, in life, when we decide that we want to do something, we want to take on ourselves at a new level, crikey. It's almost like sometimes as we go to go and do that, buyer's remorse can kick in, you know, that that fear can come in where our system starts telling us, no, 
turn the handlebars, you know, pump the brakes, chuck it in reverse. We don't want to do this. Like it's too scary. And it makes me think of a rocket ship when a rocket ship's taking off. Sorry, I know I'm kind of stacking a few metaphors here, but let's do Let's go with this. When a rocket ship takes off, it's in the first two minutes of the launch that it uses most of the fuel because it has to use all of that fuel to move through the Earth's gravitational force. So it needs more power, more thrust to move through that resistance. Once it goes beyond that and it gets out past the Earth's gravitational field, then it's really different and it uses a totally different level of energy. And that's kind of the same as when we first go to start something new, is that we've got so much resistance on the inside that we've got to support ourselves in bigger ways to overcome that initial resistance so that we can get beyond that point and then it's smooth sailing beyond that. The first three hills that I did were scary. My body wanted to turn the, I was going to say steering wheel, (laughs) turn the handlebars and avoid the hill. By the time I got to my fourth hill, it was starting to feel a bit, feel more confident. Now I can whiz around the track and the hills, there's no issue except for exhilaration, right? But I didn't get to that point by avoiding and acting from that initial resistance. So... Uh, here I am moving up towards this hill, having my body wanting to turn. And first of all, as I had to control myself and get really get get a handle on the situation and set my focus for the other side of the hill, and I had to set my speed, which is the second piece of this. So as I decided that I was going to go right through the other side, in setting my speed, I kept the same speed the whole way through the hill and out the other side. And what surprised me was actually how simple it was. (laughs) Oh my God. And that's just so like life. You know, sometimes we have these massive big hills and mountains in our head that we think they're going to be so bloody big and difficult. And when we require ourselves to do it anyway, and we set our speed and we go through to the other side, they actually are smaller than what we realize. And you do enough of them and all of a sudden you get the confidence and those hills, those types of hills, they just become within your toolkit as something that you can do with your eyes closed. And I promise you, your dreams are exactly the same. Grab some small hills, start taking them on, set your speed go the whole way and all of a sudden over time you'll find yourself expanding expanding in new ways all right i'll chat with you in the next episode